Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Taking Notes in Interviews, Chapter 1. Here we go. Even in the best of times, for me and a lot of people I know, taking notes <laughs> is difficult. And we frequently get asked how to arrange notes in a notebook, or, you know, what symbols or shortcuts we use, how we find things again, you know, all those things about <laughs> right. taking notes. And that's important stuff. But let's, let's talk even more specifically because there is an activity that managers take where taking notes has all sorts of implications, both legal and otherwise. And one of those times is when you're interviewing somebody. Yeah. I'll tell you, we learn a certain way of taking notes and we just, you know, and then while we're taking notes, so we do it the same way in interviewing and it's makes sense. It's intuitive and it's wrong. It's just ineffective. It's not wrong. It's just ineffective. (laughs) Tell us what you really think, please. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. That was wrong of me to say it's wrong. It's just really ineffective to do what you normally take. The way you normally take notes doesn't work very well in interviewing. And look, you need to be able to remember for those of you who have listened to the cast about interview results capture meeting, which is one of one of those unsung casts that really, really work well, you know, you've got to be able to talk about what happened in an interview with other people who have interviewed a candidate. And if you haven't done it well, you won't be credible in a meeting like that. And I'll tell you, the first time you say, I believe X about this person or hire or don't hire and here's why, and then cite specific example after specific example from an interview from your notes, people are going to be, wow, you really paid attention and you're going to be given extra credibility. You shouldn't be, but you're given extra credibility just because you've taken good detailed notes. So you've got to have good notes in order to remember. You've got to have Um, You've got to remember in order to be able to uh, position a candidate in a positive or negative way with any kind of credibility at all. So taking notes in an interview is super important. And there's three simple things that we know if you do them will make you much better at it. The first thing you got to do is you've got to have, number one, you've got to have your questions written out in advance. This is a no brainer, but a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people just sort of wing it in interviews. But you've got to have your question written down to help you evaluate what kind of answer you actually got. Number two, and this is where so many people mess up, you've got to learn to write down exactly what you hear, not how you feel about it, not your sense of the person, not characteristics about them that you infer, but what they actually said in the interview. And then this is probably easy to remember, but, or, you know, simple to do, but you've got to use abbreviations just because people talk so fast. But um, if you use abbreviations, if you learn how to use the right abbreviations in order to capture precisely what people say, not word for word, 250, 300 words in a row, but if you write down what people say uh, in part by using abbreviations, you're going to be much more credible and you're going to have better results in terms of deciding who to hire and who not to hire. Exactly. And if you want to practice that, you just take notes of Mark speaking and there you go. You'll be an expert. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so let's talk about the first point. And you now look, at if, if you're an individual licensee and you have our interview creation tool and you've used it, then you know what the ideal 
output is, right? A pre-printed sheet with each of the interview questions, what to look for, and a space to record your answers, right? You're not writing the questions. Don't, yeah. you know, you don't have to write the questions during the interview. Have it all prepared ahead of time. And if you don't use, if you don't have the interview creation tool, then do it by hand. No problem. Think about your questions ahead of time. Write them down. Give yourself space to write your answers or write your notes. Exactly. A couple of things. First of all, if you have five questions, if you're only going to ask five questions, and we'd recommend you ask more than that, but if you only have five, take five sheets of paper and write the questions down at the top of each sheet of paper so you have room. I see too many managers mm-hmm. coming into interviews with five questions written all together. And look, no offense, but what people do is they have a, a sheet with five questions written on, half of which is filled with the five questions, and they got half at the bottom, and they start taking notes in the first one at the bottom, and they can't remember what was said about which question relative to which answer, and it just it doesn't work. And gee, we, we hope you, everyone's thinking about their questions. We know how hard it is to get ready for an interview. We know you're busy doing other stuff. And that's one of the values of the interview creation tool. But again, even if you don't, we're not, we're not here to sell you the interview creation tool. But look, if your HR department uses competencies, we're not a big fan of competencies, but nonetheless, they tend to generate standardized questions. If they do that, then they probably have a similar sheet for you. If you don't have the interview creation tool and they use standardized questions and you don't like the questions, take their sheets, cross it out, and write what you want on the top of it. But look, you can create your own sheet. You can handwrite it right at the top of a sheet and just write one question per page. Now, you might be saying, well, okay, but why not just take notes in my own notebook, the the standard notebook that I take to all my meetings? A couple of good reasons for that. Yeah. First, you want to ask the same question in the same way every time. You know, there are a number of moving parts in an interview. You want to reduce the number of variables. And it is not an oversimplification to say a different question, the same thematically based question asked differently will get you different answers from different people. And you're increasing your degrees of freedom if you ask the questions differently every time. You want to be able to compare like answers with other like answers when you're comparing two candidates. The candidates are different enough. Let's not make it more different and let's not give ourselves two different measuring sticks by asking different questions. And if you leave out a part, you know, I remember a manager who said, yeah, I just give a big picture question. And, you know, some people are brief and some people are long. Well, he asked one question with two parts and another time he asked it with three parts. It was a behavioral question and he added in the middle of it, tell me how it was important or why it was important. So the person who answered why it was important, he kind of thought they were going on long, but then he thought, that's really a good answer. Well, he didn't give the other person whom he didn't ask, why is that important? He didn't give him a chance to talk about it. Yeah. And folks, it's not about fairness. I'm afraid some people walk away from hearing what you just said and conclude that we want to ask the questions the same way every time to be fair. It's not to be fair. It's to have a reasonable basis of comparison so that you get and you select the best candidate. Good point. We we generally look askance at fairness. And look, there's a difference between saying, how have you influenced project dura- direction in the past? And tell me about a time when you influenced the direction of a project. Okay. The first one might get you a couple of mentions of little vignettes. The second one is going to get you a detailed behavioral answer. If you ding the, fir- the guy who answers the first question because he gives you sort of a vague or a big picture answer, it's not effective in terms of comparing candidate A and candidate B. 
You know, uh, yeah, the questions are similar, but similar is not the same. So ask the same question the same way. That means it's got to be written down. Even if you handwrite them, that's fine. And look, if you're going to interview three people, handwrite five sheets of paper with just a question at the top. If you don't have any other source of questioning, whether it's our interview creation tool or something from HR, which may be great, and then just make copies. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not rocket science. Now, look, you could still use your notebook and a separate sheet, but then you've got two items of stuff. You've got your pen, you got your coffee, you're juggling, you're trying to listen to the candidates, you're trying to take notes, and you've got your sheet of paper, and you've got your note-taking stuff, and who knows what note goes with which question. I can tell you when, if you are doing an interviewing day, and you're interviewing three or four, or heaven forbid, 10 people, matching up notes, no no way that's going to happen effectively. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, why why introduce that complication? But it's even worse. I mean, what if what if six months or eight months from now, Somebody from HR or your boss or somebody else asks you to reproduce your notes. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's nightmare. a whole different. Yeah. And you, you know what's funny about that? This is one of those things where it's a small thing, but it's an enormous differential between the manager says, here, sure, I've got them right here. And you could tell the question is pre-printed and they have notes on that question, followed by another sheet with a pre-printed question and the notes on that question. As opposed to the guy who says, well, I've got these three sheets in my notebook, none of which he or she can remember, none of which really relate to the question clearly. Yeah, it is a small thing. And it, it, it's one of those things that it separates for the professionals from the non-professionals. And look, who could go back a year and find one page in a notebook that says, oh, this is the interview I conducted. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's easier logistically. It's either it's easier for the interviewing for giving notes to HR if they collect them all. It's easier for filing them. I tell you, I've been interviewing people for 20 plus 25 years, and I can tell you I want the questions written down. Exactly. In fact, in my case, I want them typed just so that I can immediately see what the question was rather than them it being handwritten every time. Good. Now, our next point is an interesting one, and this is very much akin to, I think, our advice to manager in terms of observing behavior and not trying to get to somebody's intent, right? Which is just look at or hear what's in front of you and write it down. Write down exactly what you hear. Not characterizations, right? Right. But what you hear. Yeah, this is this is our secret weapon against litigation when it comes to hiring. And of course, it's way, way, way easier. Write down exactly what you hear. Now, exactly, those of you who are high C's, give us a little bit of a break. We know you can't write down every single word you hear, which would which would technically satisfy the you know the the meaning of exactly. But the point we're making here is what most managers try to do is write down kind of what they hear, but really what they end up with very quickly because they let themselves off the hook. They write down the conclusions they drew. Good, smiley face. Wow. Great example. If you write down great example, folks, and somebody says, tell me about the example. I don't remember. You're not going to have a lot of credibility if this is your guy. If this young person that you interviewed, she's really sharp and you really want to hire her. But you don't, you can't talk specifically about what she did. If everybody else says, yeah, she was fine. And you want to go, no, she's the best candidate we've had in a couple of years. But all you can say is, well, I don't remember the example, but I know the example was great. 
no, <laughs> no, no credibility. So somebody might write something like a story about a project manager who lost control, seemed to support the manager, turn the situation around. Good. You know, that's not what to do. First of all, your conclusion that you wrote down, good and bad, is written down in black and white. And unfortunately, those are the kind of things that if there's ever litigation, lawyers love. In other words, you can't remember what she said, but you liked it or didn't like it. If there's a discrimination suit and there are three answers, none of which you can remember, all of which you didn't like, I could absolutely see an employment lawyer and a plaintiff's lawyer saying, well, this seems like bias. I mean, the other yeah. the other managers didn't mind her answers, but you seem to have a pattern of not liking this person's answers. What part of her background, which is perfectly matched to your job opening, sir, do you not find reasonable and appropriate? And you look at them like they're from another planet. And that's how court works, if heaven forbid you ever end up in one. But if you write down the facts, what was said, and you leave your conclusions for later, you're going to draw your own conclusions. Everybody does. That's what interviewing is about. Think about it this way. Police statements, things that they write down, factual. The facts of what was said or done can't be argued. The conclusions you draw can be argued. Imagine being in a half-hour discussion about why that answer wasn't good if you don't remember the answer terribly well. What if the lawyer supplies the answer that she or he gave. And then you're discussing with them an answer that they say you heard and you're trying to match it to conclusions you drew. Boy, Mm. I wouldn't want to be there. But look, that's not the big reason. The fact is, it's much harder to take notes on your conclusions than it is on the actual facts. Taking notes on a conversation that you're having is not something you do that often when you think about note-taking in meetings than you're at. When you're taking notes in meetings, you're generally taking notes on actions, on things you need to remember, on things you need to do. That's not the same thing as taking notes on what's been said in a conversation. Because we don't do it very often, we find that we're not very good at it when we actually have to do it and when it's really important. Trying to take notes on what's said, because you're going to write down a little bit of what's said, you know, a word or two that highlights a story for you and thinking that you'll remember it all at the end of the day, which again, you won't if you have two or three or four interviews, taking notes on what's said, drawing conclusions, and then writing down those conclusions as well are three things your brain is trying to do all at once. And generally speaking, you're not even good at two things at once unless one of them is really simple and none of these things that you're doing are really simple. And by the way, you're all trying to do this while you're nodding and smiling and keeping the conversation going. And the whole keeping the conversation going thing is a big thing for a lot of managers. I think a lot of managers actually struggle with what's my next question going to be and how can I keep this conversational? And those two thoughts have nothing to do with what's really valuable in an interview, which is evaluating the answers you get to the question that you said out loud and implied to them was important relative to your decision. And as well, really hard to be thinking about probing questions when you're trying to keep the conversation going and you're trying to take notes about what they said and on the conclusions you drew and so on. To me though, The really important reason is because you want to be able to reproduce at the end of the day for two reasons, by the way. 
what actually happened in the interview. And we say exactly, and we, and we mean writing down key parts of sentences so that you can recreate them. If you write down key parts of the sentences, you'll be able to remember the entire story, the entire example you've given. But there's two reasons. One, you get a chance to reflect on what happened in an interview rather than just reflecting on how you feel. So a little bit of distance, a little bit of dispassion makes you a better thinker about how well that interview actually went. And then again, we've talked about this before. We really like the interview results capture meeting where you sit down with your peers, your contemporaries, the other people who interviewed and talk about what happened. And we recommend that you be able to say, I recommend we hire or don't hire a person. And here's why. And we give several categories for you to look at for a person. And then we suggest you give specific examples to support your conclusions. If your boss interviews you and says, how'd the interview go? And you say, boy, she's great. Perfect. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Hire her. <laughs> I got to tell you, if, if this is one of your first interviews and the boss is good, why? Oh, well, I really liked your answer here. I like this. I like that. If you're working with a professional boss, she's going to cut you to ribbons. She's going to say, well, what specifically did she say or do? You just liked her? That's why we should hire somebody, Mark, is because we like her? No. And I'd say, well, you know, boy, but she was good. I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I, I got some exclamation points and smiley faces and cloudy things. And oh, how many smiley faces? Five. Yeah. Oh, good. That's that's the standard at this Fortune Ten company. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Write down what you hear, folks. And by the way, the first couple of times you do this, it will feel awkward. And that's what it means to be a professional, getting better at things that are important. And look, when you were 10 and 15 and 20 and even 25, you weren't doing this. And so the first few times you do it now are going to be hard. And then you're going to learn how to take notes in an interview. And then you'll be better at it for the rest of your career. And what's more, even though you probably won't interview as often as you might like, depending upon the situation, of course, you'll get better at it gradually over time. When you take more comprehensive notes, It'll help you concentrate listening carefully when you interview somebody. You know, for example, if you wrote down, was deputy PM on $1 million project, PM lost control and allocation tasks due to firefighting. C, stayed late one evening to update systems to provide accurate picture, talked PM through suggested task reallocation and supported at team meeting when reallocation was briefed, project on time and on budget. Look, folks, even if you saw those kinds of notes on a candidate you didn't interview, you'd draw the same conclusion. Seemed to support his manager and turned the situation around. Well, that's good. On the other hand, if you wrote down supported his manager, turned the situation around, you know, okay. If you don't remember the exact situation and he didn't answer that way in another interview and nobody else can say, oh, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Gee, I didn't get that sense from him. Hmm you're not going to be nearly as effective in terms of convincing somebody why somebody's good. And by the way, this works the same way in the other way as well. If somebody's not good, writing down exactly what they said is really important in the subtlety of interviewing. This guy actually said this in an interview. If you're against hiring somebody and they say something that's really you don't like, that you find really bumps up against your company's values, for instance, as an example, sort of an, a deadly example, and you don't have exactly what they said, but you said, I just don't feel like the values thing is that good. And everybody else thought they were really smooth and natural. You're going to lose that argument. So you want good notes about what they said that is data that helps you to back up your conclusions. 
And look, you want a simple way to test this? I used to tell people, if you want to learn how to pay attention to people's behaviors, watch a movie with the sound off, and you'll start seeing the, the facial expressions and body language in a better way. Same thing here. To practice this, listen to a news bulletin on TV and write down the words you hear. Read it a few days later and see if you can remember the conclusions that you drew based on that news story. And you might say, oh, I'm terrible the first time. Okay, do it a few more times. It takes five minutes, you know, at six o'clock in the evening or 10 o'clock in the evening or before you go to work one morning. And you'll get better at it really, really fast. Yeah, very quickly. And folks, your notes, you're not writing a book. Your notes do need to be legible, right? They need to be comprehensible. But you don't need perfect grammar and perfect sentences and be able to recreate word for word everything that was said. We've talked about this before, about setting up an abbreviation system for yourself. It sounds kind of corny when you say it, set up an abbreviation system for yourself. For most of us, you don't set it up for yourself. You fall into one. You learn what works for you in terms of circles and squares and diamonds and all that kind of stuff. Depending upon your role and your industry you're in, you'll have some specific abbreviations. You know, I've said before that a capital letter with a circle around it is the first letter of someone's name. Another thing you can do is remove the vowels from a word. I do that all the time. You know, if I were going to write structured, it'd be S-T-R-C-T-R-D. And I've saved three or four letters. When you're trying to go quickly, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And there are a lot of times people kind of skip the big words. But if you leave out all the articles, the A's, the does, and the ands, and so on, and you only put four or five big words, you can recreate the articles that were said. Classic interviewing technique is to use the letter C for candidate. For longer words, if you don't want to delete just the the vowels, something I've done, you can also just use the first syllable. IMP for important, INF or INFO for information. I know, folks, we don't mean to to be suggesting you don't know this stuff. We're just suggesting if you're naturally used to doing this, that's good. We're trying to give you an out from write exactly what was said because writing INF period for information is completely appropriate and in line with writing down exactly what was said. The point of saying write down exactly what was said is don't write down your conclusions, write down the words the candidate uses. And look, you're going to struggle with this a little bit in terms of getting it just right. In the beginning, you're going to try try to write too much and you're going to be off track a little bit. And other times you're going to go too far, perhaps. (laughs) Your your notes look like some quadratic equation or something. Yeah. And look, just because that happens and you say, well, this isn't working anymore. I just want to write down my conclusions. Recently, Maggie reminded me that I had said something to her that resonated with her, which is don't confuse an easy life with a good life. Be aware that um, sometimes being a professional is hard and it's worth working at. And you do this a couple of times and you'll start to develop your own abbreviations and you'll get better at capturing exactly what was said. And one more thing, it's completely okay to say to a candidate, one second, I want to write down what you just said, exactly what you just said. And then look up and say, okay, I've got it. Continue. Nothing wrong with that. And, and I had I had a candidate once say, oh, you broke my train of thought. I said, okay, sorry, do your best. And then I wrote down, quote, you broke my train of thought, unquote. <laughs> like, oh, if you've never been interrupted before in a conversation there, big guy. No smiley face there. <laughs> I know this is a very simplistic cast, but it is it, it addresses a huge problem that people have of writing high-level stuff, good or bad, 
which not only doesn't work legally, which is not the only reason to do it, but it doesn't give you the raw material that you need to support or defend your points of view, either 15 minutes later, an hour later, or six months later. So please have your questions pre-printed in advance, ideally at the top of a single sheet of paper, one question per sheet of paper. Write down exactly what you hear and use abbreviations so you can capture more of it. I think too many of us make this harder than it is because we're juggling too many behaviors at the same time. Don't worry about what's required for HR. If you were to write down every word that was said, believe me, that would absolutely meet any HR requirement there could possibly be. One sheet of paper with the question and space to take notes, write down what you hear, file it with their resume, and you're done. And that will make you better at drawing the right conclusions, and that'll make you better at hiring, which is the most important thing good managers do. Well done. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one.